Gadai documentaries. It's about as far as I can go with that accent. Hello, documentarians. This is Bob Sham here. And uh, boy, have we got a thick, juicy, buttery treat for you today on this episode of Documenteers. This is episode eight, and we are featuring our, our last guest to truly round out the foundation of what we're trying to do here at Documenteers. Not to say that the door is uh, sealed on future guests, but but this is kind of the core that we're looking at there, the points, and I'm like the square itself. And Angela, Stuart, Drew, and now Johnny are here to hold my squareness together. together. Johnny and I will be discussing religious movies, religious theme movies, and it will get pretty strange fairly rapidly. Uh, we we thought we were going to do something easy with this one, something that was known. We are talking about Jesus Camp, but it was uh, quite an experience sitting through this movie again after uh, a dozen years. If you haven't seen it in a long time, I would recommend it. You hear my dogs, and maybe you've heard them once or twice before. I'm surprised you don't hear them every 10 minutes. We love them. If you'd like to support us, then what you can do is go on your iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Those are two different titles that mean the same thing. And subscribe and recommend people subscribe to the podcast Documenteers. We are the best documentary film podcast out there. I have no problem saying that. So you can rate us five stars. Sorry, I almost threw up on my mouth when I said stars, but it just sucks that I'm forced to comply with this old-fashioned star rating. I think what we need to do at iTunes, I think this will be the new official mission statement. You type in documenteers in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you give it five stars, and you review it. But in your review, you're essentially demanding that iTunes revert to a Herzog rating system. I think it's important, and we can really change things. Uh, we can be Herzog evangelists. You can also find us in places like Stitcher and SoundCloud and, and all the good podcast apps. If you look for us on a podcast app, we're not there. I don't know, man. I don't think that one's doing you any good. And uh, But good job finding our RSS feed. All right. Now let's get down. Hallelujah. Stay sweet. Now here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. When I dance, I really have to make sure that that's gone. Because people will notice when I'm just dancing for the flush. Kind of reminds me of my childhood going to youth groups and mm-hmm. retreats and shit like that. And and I was uh, I was baptized Methodist at a, at the age of thirteen. There's pictures right. of me not looking happy about it. We went on this one retreat. I think it was by Lake Barkley here in okay. Tennessee, where there's some there's a sermon or whatever, and then they start singing eagle songs, or at least two of them. Eagle songs. That peaceful, easy feeling song. Got a peaceful, <laughs> easy feeling that uh, you won't let me down, something like that. And they're singing that chorus over and over again. That's progressive for the 90s. For, for Methodists they, in the 90s, that's quite... 
and they would go, uh, and then they would sing, I'm not kidding, Desperado, <laughs> over and over again. This probably went on for 45 minutes, I think. When you got baptized, this was? No, no, this is just a youth retreat later. Oh, right, right, right. a little older. Two Eagle songs over and over again. <laughs> and even at that age, I was like, this is kind of weird. Sometimes they cover Love Song by The Cure. Really? Yes. <laughs> you know, however far away, I will always love you. It's like God singing to you. you yeah, know? yeah. And then I remember I was walking to the hotel because we were staying at a hotel at this retreat. Yeah. With some other Christian Methodist friends. And there was a janitor and he was kind of singing this song. And he was singing uh, the Don Henley hit from the 80s, Boys of Summer. <laughs> and I was like, no way. And then the janitor turned around. It was fucking Joe Walsh. I'm not kidding. No. About 50% of that story is true. I'll let you decide. <laughs> I'll let you decide what part. He was actually singing Hotel California. <laughs> but it was still Joe Walsh. I like the idea of Joe Walsh singing a solo Don Henley number. For some reason, I find that. That was the only one I know, though. Boys of Summer. What's, how's that song go? Boy. I'll still stay, my love for you will still be strong After the boys of summer have gone It's kind of a nice song, I I guess. mean, on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. <laughs> well, it's fucking 80s, man. I know. What's up, Docs? Stocks with an X, not a CS. But apparently there's an app called Docs where you can watch <laughs> documentaries. Okay. I'm so. not plugging them. Because I was searching through their library, and they got a ways to go, i got to say. But I've managed to be not be sued by Warner Brothers. Now, will this application sue me? I don't know. <laughs> but what's up, Docs, is still our catchphrase. What's up, Docs? And with us today, rounding out the foundation of the documenteers is, well, what's your name, sir? Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Greth. Johnny... And uh, we talk about weird religious stuff. We like talking about cults. We have our own histories dealing with uh, mainstream religion and weird religious movements that will that will slowly roll out over shows. We're not going to... Mm-hmm. This could be a five-hour show this, up top if we talk about all of our history. Oh, sweet Lord. Yeah, yeah. One, one thing at a time. But we now have the foundation. Not to say that the door's completely shut on future documenteers. But Johnny and I will be discussing weird religious documentaries. Setting this one up, I was like, we're going to be talking a lot about weird stuff. Let's talk about this movie, Jesus Camp, because it's one that's pretty well known. It'll be a softball. We can go through it. It's a classic. And then let's start watching it. And that softball, not so soft. No. Oh, my goodness. And still kind of very prescient to what's happening today. I mean, today's... Today's landscape is just, it's just the next step from what we, from the steps that we saw. I mean, yeah, what we're dealing with in Jesus camp was uh, the Christian right in the post 9-11 era. This is, I don't know when it was filmed, but it was released, what, 2006, 2007? Yeah, I could assume it was filmed over the course of a few years. Yeah, up. you know, right in the middle of the, uh, of the Bush administration, where it seems like the ties between... Christianity and the Republican Party, especially like mainline Protestant Christianity, became the ties became a lot stronger. Yes. At that point. Now, 10 years later, we're at a time where people are going to vote for the Republican candidate 
no matter what, simply because he claims Christianity and uh, Dr. James Dobson backs him up. And get, yeah, and as you said, getting getting support from the evangelical movement. Yep. Despite the fact that this guy and his actions and his narcissism seems to be <laughs> the antithesis for a lot of what they claim to preach. Oh, absolutely. And and also every bit is guilty of the kind of things that everyone hated previous politicians for. <laughs> right. And it's just the conviction. Conviction is out the window, and it's not a thing anymore. It's where we live in a weird world of extremes where nuance dies in the middle, mm -hmm. and it is very frustrating. I mean, the evangelical movement really sparked hard during the Reagan administration. Yes, uh, you know, for a while Reagan was people talk about him like he had angel wings growing out of his ass, but, <laughs> right? But he was kind of like the the California Republican who. He and his wife got, were into astrology and had an astrologer come to the White House. Then he got shot. Reagan was almost assassinated. Huh. And, and after he recovered from that, then the evangelical hold on the political machine just snowballed from there. Reagan right. getting shot, even if you hate Reagan and wanted him to get shot, it was so bad. You do not want politicians you hate to be attempted to be murdered or killed. It's a bad move because one, don't shoot people. Right, right, right of course. And two, you're going to martyr these people, stupid. Yeah, Jeez. and if they survive, they're just going to be, uh, I don't know what the word is for an almost martyr, <laughs> a confessor. Let's get into it. Yeah. By Magnolia Pictures and A&E and Loki Films, which is founded by the directors of this movie, we are, yes, discussing Jesus Camp by Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. They uh, also directed some other films. I haven't seen these. Detropia and Boys from Baraka. But judging by the quality of this film, I would be open to seeing them. We'll probably get to them here on Documenteers <laughs> at some point. But, Johnny, welcome. You are now a Documenteer. It's good to be here. What an honor it must be for you. I, I, I like that there's actual tape rolling <laughs> when we're talking about cults this time. <laughs> yeah. Now, when Jesus Camp first came out, it's really interesting how people responded to it. Yes. Because evangelicals watched this movie, and they were like, yeah, that seems right. Some of them thought it was really beautiful. And people who were not really, I would say, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Tennessee. You grew up in Alabama. Yes. And I think maybe you're on the same boat as me. It wasn't a shock. No. But it was like a good document of people that we know in our day-to-day -day lives. But I think a lot of people who maybe are more in, in their uh if they're more bubbled in their liberal existence, right. looked at it as a, a scathing statement on evangelism, which I didn't, I didn't really interpret it as a positive, but they saw it like, oh my God. And the director, Heidi Ewing, said that she was kind of surprised at how people reacted against this movie, right. almost with like as much zeal as the people that she was documenting for the movie. Yeah, it was weird. A lot of people had seen it. I was I had also lived in Chicago for for a short period of time. Um, you know, among people who are more or less left leaning, right? Uh, Christian or not, they definitely had somewhat leftist politics. Usually, further to the left than Democrat or Green, you know. And yeah, they seemed to like you said they saw it as like a scathing indictment of the evangelical world. And I was just glad that someone like got video proof this shit goes down <laughs> right this 
is what it is. It was uh, pretty accurate. I didn't see too much in the documentary that was overblown. It sounds like most of the churches I could have gone to, you know, just across the border in Pensacola, Florida. Sure. We grew up, I'm not a religious person now. And this movie's not against Christianity. No. It it does a good job uh, making that point. It's about a style of Christianity. So as far as like criticizing Christianity as a whole, that's not really what we're going to try to do here. There will be plenty of time for that later <laughs> in other documentaries. I've got a lot to say. But this is more focused on the evangelical side of things. Yes, absolutely. We're at the Midwest in Missouri. It's a small town. We see a strip with fast food restaurants lining it. 10,000 roads in America just like this one. Absolutely. And we are introduced to a radio host, Mike Papantonio. Mike Papantonio, he is not really into this evangelical thing. No, no, he's not. We're in the Bush era. We just started rolling into Iraq, mm -hmm. which, looking back on hindsight, super bad move. Destabilized the Middle East mm -hmm. and is leading to, has led to indefinite conflicts. And he's talking about how he's flabbergasted that people are referencing George W. Bush as a, a saintly figure, as someone who's a leader for these evangelical groups and he's now mike pompentino he's not coming from an anti-christian perspective he's actually quoting bible verses yeah i looked him up and he is a methodist he this dude is also a christian of some stripe that's the denomination that i was in it wasn't as as uptight there was problematic older people in my church <laughs> i will say that right who we had to kind of like bail on because of uh, reasons that are stereotypical to the Southern experiences. And um, I mean, hell, I've got problematic older people in my friend group. So sure. just kind of like, <laughs> you can't escape that one. Uh, yeah, he comes from a Methodist perspective, and he doesn't like how the evangelical movement is going in lockstep with political movements. He's seeing some negative signs from a, re a religious perspective. Mm -hmm. As I stated, Bush has anointed a great spiritual leader. We move on from Mike for now. Kids are doing an interpretive dance. Did you see a lot of interpretive dancing in your church when you were growing um, up? Yes, I, I did interpretive dance. What kind of did you do? Did you do the hand motion? Oh, yeah, there were hand motions. Um, see, yeah, so Bobby was raised in a Methodist church. I was raised um, an evangelical charismatic pastor's kid. Yeah, that was that was a huge part of, of youth involvement in these churches was that you would all dress up in the same thing, usually, like some kind of costume. They had camo and weird fucking sticks. I haven't seen that one before, to be honest. I've seen the camo, but not the sticks. Camo was new to me. It was a lot of, like, usually the young ladies of the youth group yep. would learn an interpretive hand dance. Yeah. No one knew what the fuck it meant, but everyone was just politely watching and clapping. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did one to uh, Mary Did You Know <laughs> with a group. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of have I, I look back on those interpretive dances with fondness almost as like an absurd thing that is kind of funny yeah absolutely I mean a few years ago I had I had recorded a song and I was really stoked on it that was when I was still trying to be a professional musician you know and I really wanted to get someone to choreograph one of those <laughs> one of those dances to this song because I thought it would have been perfect you know because it was like song about growing up in church in the South. I would love to see one of those dances in the setting of a smoky bar. 
Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, can we make that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Let's work on it. Okay. <laughs> they're they're waving and tapping sticks. I'm not sure what that what the sticks mean, if they symbolize anything. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just safer than swords. I've seen swords used as well. <laughs> swords? Like real swords? I mean, you know, sometimes toy swords. I've, I've definitely seen one or two pastors <laughs> swinging a real sword around on stage. Because you got that armor of God and that sword. The armor the of God, yeah, fighting the principalities and powers of the evil one. We meet a lady, Pastor Becky. You're going to learn to love her. <laughs> and she's lamenting that her uh, evangelism book... Four kids, which seems to be a binder, like a three-ring binder, isn't selling well. And that people think it's all about like a door-to-door, knock-on-doors kind of thing. Don't know if that's really your problem, uh, Becky. <laughs> There's a kid with a rat tail. His name is Levi, but I didn't catch it for half the movie, so I'm writing <laughs> kid with rat tail. Yeah, he was rat tail for about half a page in I, my book. I had a rat tail when I was a kid. Hell yeah, you did. You know I did. <laughs> I uh, wanted one, but I wasn't allowed to, like, grow all my hair down, you know? So I tried to, like, get the back as long as I could get away with. It's kind of a similar thing. Like, I wouldn't be able to grow my all my hair long. Nope, nope. That's what women do. But the rat tail was a weird compromise. <laughs> but that looks... I mean, looking back, no that, one, that looks way weirder than just growing your hair out. It does. No one really wanted a rat tail, I don't think. Pastor Becky asked the question, and I really like this scene, can God do anything? Now, that's a softball question for an oh, evangelical crowd. Okay. I wonder what they're going to say. But it's. But I noticed a parent is raising their little girl's hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a sick world, she says. We need to fix it. Because Christians are lazy. It's up to the kids, Johnny. And they have a repeat-along prayer. She says, if you don't open your mouth, the spirit can't talk. Yes. And we get a little tongue speaking. Oh, man, so much of it. Did you have speaking in tongues in your background? Uh, yeah, that was that was a regular thing. Like a lot of the kids in this, you know, came from a non-denominational or mainline Protestant background, was influenced by Pentecostalism. And so, yeah, speaking in tongues was just par for the course. Like, my family spoke in tongues. Um, I never did. Oh, yeah? Because, yeah, I mean, I figured that if, if God wanted me to speak in tongues, he was just going to make it happen and I wouldn't have to force it. And so it never happened. So this line... <laughs> If you don't open your mouth, the Holy Spirit can't talk. Is that how it went down? I, I guess so. You got to open that mouth. Just hold it open until something comes out. Yeah, just like open your mouth, you know, give the Holy Spirit a little push, and then you're going to start speaking in tongues. My mother um, goes to a church of God, and they speak in tongues. Yes. She wasn't very religious when I was very young. But she became that way when I got older. But I was raised by my grandmother. She was not down with that scene. She like <laughs> made fun of it. Right. She was like religious in the in the in the basic way that Southerners are. Yeah. I believe in Jesus and I'm scared of the devil. It's just kind of that streamlined Southern way of thinking. Absolutely. As much but even though my church experiences, they didn't start this young, thankfully. Yeah. And they weren't this dramatic. But looking back, there were influences of the evangelical movement, yes. particularly in the youth groups. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember I, I would go, I would kind of do church tours. I belonged to a Methodist church, but yeah. my friends went to this Baptist church. 
another buddy went to a Nazarene church. I would kind of float around with them right. for a long time. That's common, more common among Southerners for some reason than among Northerners. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I was the nerdy kid. Right. And I needed a group of friends at a young age. Yeah. And these youth groups were, that, those are the easiest way to meet people. Oh, dude, totally. The Nazarenes apparently don't like, imagine most denominations aren't into it, but Nazarenes, I learned later in particular, don't like it when you go to other churches like they want. And they, the Nazarenes also, they had live bands, which huh. seemed cool to me at the yeah. time for their church services. And really, uh, really high production stage performances of Jesus getting crucified and stuff. You know, I, I never went to I never went to any Nazarene churches. I don't think a few of my cousins went to like, to a Nazarene college. That's all I know. I think uh, we we have one here in Nashville. Yeah, Treveca. Treveca. Becky Fisher. We see her, that's her name. Pastor Becky is Becky Fisher. She's evaluating church videos like she's the Tom Brady of the evangelical movement, and she she talks about how she. She seems to admire the tactics of radical Islam. They yeah. indoctrinate kids at such a young age and teach them. Well, r- radical Islamists don't particularly do this, but uh, Muslim communities will teach their children how to fast for Ramadan at the age of five. Yeah. And that's just general Muslim. That's not radical side. Yeah, that, that seems to happen for any for any ancient religion. Like they teach their children to to do the same things they do, like to the best of their ability. You know, Catholics, their children, you know, from a certain age, they don't they don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent, you know? They hold those incense ball poles. I wasn't raised Catholic. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> they hold, they swing incense balls. Yeah. yeah, they don't make their children do that, though. I, yeah, I never was Catholic, but stylistically, I always kind of admired them. I, I, I really appreciate the aesthetic a lot. Becky is, she seems very upbeat about where the country is at this point. She's, yeah. She's all about Bush and the nation and where it's going. Uh, Levi, who at this point I'm just writing, Rat Boy, Rat Tail Boy, uh, they're, they're talking, he and a friend are talking to Becky about this camp. Becky asked Rat Tail Boy, <laughs> Levi, when he got saved, and he says, I got saved at five. I didn't think anything was fun. I wanted more out of life. Five years old. It's like, also, his parents are also fully on board with all of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's homeschooled by his mom. I mean, that's that's the same kid, right? Levi, rat yeah. tail guy? I think uh, mo- most all of these kids we meet are homeschooled. But, yeah. But it definitely focuses on Levi. I like their pretend bait, debate over creationism. <laughs> like, they're enlightened by this information that oh, they've, wow. they've probably heard a thousand times. Oh, absolutely. And like any any other piece of information that contradicted it would have been engaged and discussed <laughs> right. in a rational manner. Right, as if that was present in that <laughs> house. But it's funny how he said at five you wanted more out of life. If the kid said to me, I'm not having any fun, I want more out of life, be like, go dig up some worms, dude. Yeah. Be a kid. That's kind right. of the, that's kind of the saddest part, is that these kids they're not allowed to just be kids. Right. And a lot of the things that they're told is wicked and evil is not necessarily that way from the perspective of a young child. We're talking about the perspectives of adults projecting yeah. onto these children. You know, there's that, and I seem to... uh The kids that they seem to focus on were ones that seemed to be pretty serious. They were they were very thoughtful kids. Um, I absolutely loved Levi. Um, I forget what the the girl's name with the uh, short brownish hair. 
uh, Rachel or Tori? Not the one who danced to Christian heavy metal music. Rachel, the other one. Rachel. Who, and the... Uh, who I couldn't help but like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she was super likable. And they all had this intense desire to do the right thing. And it seems like they all had a pretty pretty strong moral compass, you know? Like, just yeah. an inner an inner desire to have truth and do the right thing. And I really appreciated that about and them. And they were, they were sincere about their desire to oh, do absolutely. this as they could. That's the difference between, I noticed that when in my church groups amongst my friends at the time is that they weren't, I don't recall us being all that political, right? but we were, they were intelligent kids that wanted to sincerely do the best they could. <laughs> right. You know, I may have some philosophical disagreements today. Mm. I kind of admired them for their desire to, to understand this stuff as best yeah. as they could. Levi's watching a documentary, or it's not a documentary. It's like an episode of something called The Creation Adventure Team. Oh, yes. And I wa and I wrote in my notes, kids watching a creationist kids doc that we will probably watch someday. I'm sure we'll get to oh, man. The Creation Adventure Team. Oh, dude. Are we just, are we switching from cults to just fundamentalist <laughs> propaganda? Yeah. Well, you know we're going to get in some propaganda. Oh, hell yeah, we are. Did we come from a glob of goo? Ugh, and he's covered. Let's let's say that in a way that if you say yes, just sounds completely ridiculous. <laughs> Human beings are like seventy five percent goo. Forty three percent of evangelicals are born again before thirteen. Seventy five percent of homeschool kids are evangelical. Levi's mom bl blames public school problems on a lack of prayer. You'll see that happen a lot. It's a black and white world. Welcome. Yep. Prayer in schools got taken out in 1962. And then ever since then, our school systems have gone down. Does not work like that. Not that we've been systematically <laughs> defunding them. Kids can pray in school if they want. I mean, if your method of prayer is to jump in front of the uh, teacher while she's doing her lesson or he and scream the Lord's Prayer at the top <laughs> of your lungs... You're going to go to detention for disrupting the class. But there's usually a time set aside for you to do that. Yeah, we had a moment of silence. Yes. I had a teacher, a history teacher in high school. She called me a loose cannon. She was also pretty religious, too. Whoa. And she called me a loose cannon, and I would do homework or draw pictures during the moment of silence. Yeah. So she would come up and scold me during the moment of silence. And then I would be like, I'm being quiet. And then she would, like, yell at me. For speaking during the moment of silence, because I'm responding to her telling me not to do homework during the moment of silence. Man. Just uh, many teacher issues. That I, <laughs> I was a good kid, but I had a mouth on me, I'll tell you. Believe it or not. <laughs> I can't imagine, Bobby. They're at a bowling alley by a highway porn store. Yes, obviously. Ra Rachel, we meet Rachel. We love Rachel. She's the best. Yes, Rachel is Rachel is a fantastic kid. I, I really like her. She's adorable, for one. Absolutely. Uh, we don't agree with anything she says, but not a damn can't bit. help it. If she tried to kind of save me or hand me some chick tracks, I'd take those chick tracks. Yeah. Yeah, so she hands it to this, this girl at the bowling alley. You know, it's blonde Midwestern white girl. Dyed hair. Yeah, she's she's sitting there and, you know, just uh, apparently by herself or something. And she just goes up to her and she's like, you know, I think God is trying to tell me that, like, he just wants to love on you, that he loves you, that he's, that you're so important to him. And here's a pamphlet. And 
she, you know, she smiles and she's <laughs> she's very, very, very polite. Very polite, yeah. Obviously, like charmed by the cuteness of this kid who cares about her salvation, and she takes it right. I was, I got a little too excited when it went close up on a chick track. Yeah. We love chick tracks. Oh, man. It is. One thing we've talked about a lot. It is just a wonderful, very beautifully drawn document of unhinged fundamentalism. (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. And also, like, the fierce individualism of the Southern spirit. (laughs) And, uh, well, chick tracks apparently have a broad audience of people who don't take them literally, but kind of admire them. Yeah, I mean, even the evangelical churches that pass them out don't believe everything (laughs) that he's talking about. Like, when he gets into Christian rock. (laughs) I used to love reading those, but I listened to Christian rock. (laughs) And the waves of music. They definitely, I love that uh, rock is evil stuff from the past. Oh, dude. Because it's so, it's obviously outdated because rock music isn't even like the most popular form of music now. You kind of have to keep adjusting uh, what you're against based on the popularity. Well, yeah, rap music is evil now. Yeah, rap music, EDM, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I still maintain that. Rachel wants to do the best she can. She talks about how she, maybe when she grows up, she wants to be a lady that paints nails so that she can just paint nails with Christian music in the background. <laughs> My first thought is she's going to get so much business. <laughs> Everyone's going to love going to her to listen to Christian music and get witness to. If I knew that she was out there after seeing this documentary, I'd go get my nails done. Okay. But I wonder if painting the nails of a man was something that she would be against. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what side of the do we serve gay people cake. People say that Rachel teases her and that she is weird. I mean, she is naturally a weird kid. Yeah. Nothing on the surface wrong with that. And sure, she's an evangelical, but they live in the Midwest. The idea of, like, Jesus and God is not exactly a foreign concept where no. they're from. Even if people aren't as deep in, into it in the way that they are, they're not. Ex- it's not that people are, like, against the belief of Jesus. No, no. And if uh, if they are, they've kind of learned to survive in a place where believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is very normal. And getting witness to is probably a pretty normal thing. We are then introduced to Tori dancing to some Christian hard rock. Yes. She loves Christian hard rock and she loves to dance, but she's got to be careful to make sure that she's not dancing in the flesh. <laughs> because if you're dancing in the flesh, people are going to notice. This is what I'm talking about with adults projecting their bullshit onto the kids because story just likes to dance she's a she's a she's a young girl yeah she's like eight to ten she's just dancing it's not the flesh no it's it's if it's if someone tells her it's the flesh it's the adult looking at her and thinking it's the flesh (sighs) yeah she's not gonna do some like super provocative thing to christian heavy metal you know these kids are racked with adult level guilt (laughs) absolutely that is a that is a real big thing whenever she's talking about the part where i think it's in the beginning we're gonna have to rewind a bit but she's talking about how like your friends are going to hell your friends who are not saved if you do not tell them about jesus christ and they go to hell because you didn't tell them because they've obviously never heard about Jesus Christ before in their entire lives. Right, here in the Midwest. Yeah. If you don't tell them, I mean, it's going to be on you, and you're not going to be able to enjoy heaven knowing all your friends are on hell because of you. <laughs> and like you said, that's a lot to put on a kid, you know? You, I mean, you can choose to believe that as adult, as an adult, and it would be, to most people, it would seem very weird. 
that's a large amount of responsibility. Like somebody's soul, somebody's eternal damnation or salvation. You're not just responsible for your own. No. Responsible for every soul you see in any given day. I mean, these kids can't even legally work, you know? (laughs) They're working harder than uh, most adults we know. You know, a big impetus for me to get baptized was a kid on the bus asked me if I had ever been baptized. I don't think I even knew really what it was. And then he said, well, if this bus crashes Mm. and you die, you're going to hell because you've never been baptized. He also guilted me for getting our dog fixed. (laughs) This kid was a dick. Wait, what? But he did have an influence on my life, apparently. (laughs) He was against dogs being fixed. Man, and that that pressure to, like, tell other kids about heaven and hell is so strong. I went to... uh... The Brownsville Assembly of God, it was it was a Pentecostal um, church that had like a non-denominational veneer where a big charismatic Pentecostal type revival broke out, right? Um, I went to the youth group with a friend and the new youth pastor had a uh, – he drove a Prowler. Oh, this, yeah. I mean this uh, – Oh, cool. Those are cool cars. Yeah, that campus had some money. Like he drove a <laughs> Prowler and he was super intense, very animated. You know, teenagers and kids obviously really responded to him. But at some point, he brought out a, a tank full of goldfish. Okay. And he was like, these are all your friends. And then he took a net, scooped them up, and threw them down on the floor what? and said, your friends are going to hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're, they're laying there. They're suffocating. They're dying. And you're just sitting there. You're not even helping them. So this one girl crying, like, walks down the aisles and starts picking them up and putting them back in the aquarium. And then all of a sudden, like, the front of the auditorium is full of kids, like, on their hands and knees, picking up these fish, sobbing, and putting them back in the water. That's the lengths a lot of these uh, super fundamentalist groups will go to to uh, (laughs) cause children to evangelize. We see a lot of Christian prop comedy in this movie, uh, but that's taking it to another level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it's not par for the course, but I think it's a good example of the guilt. We're getting ready at this point for Jesus Camp, an event called Kids on Fire. That's right. Kids. They're not, no, folks, they're not literally on fire. I don't think that's how you, you get saved. No. They're on fire for the Lord. Their souls are on they're fire. They're on fire with the light of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Becky started in 2001. Apparently, this is at an area called Devil's Lake, North Dakota. The specific, which is funny. The specific area is called something else. I'll have to dig through my notes. But they do a prayer rehearsal, and they pray over the electrical equipment. Yes. And the microphones. Lord, don't bring a storm in to knock all these out. Please, the blood of Jesus over all this equipment. No microphone failures, Lord Jesus. During that prayer, there's more tongues. I made a note every time anyone spoke in tongues. <laughs> Uh, you see kids getting ready. I like that one kid stuff Marlin. He had a stuff Marlin. You can get that at Bass Pro Shop. Nice. Our sponsor. <laughs> Please tell me you're serious. <laughs> I wish I was. There's a Christian rap sing-along, and I wrote the lyrics, Who's in the house? JC, JC. in the house. And uh, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, it was a remix of the song that Carmen did with DC Talk. You recognize in the early nineties. Oh, I absolutely oh did. That God. is a that is a Pastor's Kid classic. <laughs> my, uh, I never heard the remix. It actually did not do the original song justice. Oh man! Well, a little music critique. Yeah, we're gonna have uh, to watch this video. Now we rate 
documentaries in Herzog's, not the archaic star scale. And we only document the Herzog scale. Like if it's a feature film, that would be rated in Clint Howard's. Okay. Uh, songs would probably be rated in, gosh, what musician? Probably Rebecca Black. How many Rebecca Black? <laughs> How many of Rebecca Blacks would you give the Carmen remix? Who's in the house? JC in the house. I would. We're going. We're going five each, right? One through five Rebecca Blacks. Yeah. Okay. I, I would give it a full five Rebecca Blacks. Oh, I was going to go five too. That's a ten out of ten Rebecca Blacks. Damn straight it is. Wow. Good song. Check it out. Download. <laughs> Pastor Becky. She's uh. She has a lot of Jungle Cat props. She loves prop comedy. Mm-hmm. She makes a, a line that says, "And then you've got a." Tiger by the tail, I guess talking about sin or something, and then she swings a jungle cat around. Right. And then she states that she warns about the evils of Harry Potter. Yes. Because warlocks are the enemies of God. In the Old Testament, Harry Potter would have been put to death. Levi, who, by the way, is apparently a Tolkien fan... Did you see the uh, you see the Tolkien book on uh, the Lord of the Rings book on the kitchen table when he was homeschooling? No, I didn't. When he was with his mom? No. I was watching this with a friend who grew up like legit Pentecostal, like too Pentecostal for the Pentecostals, right? Wow. And uh, he was like, "This kid's got a rat tail. She's wearing makeup. There's Tolkien on the counter. These people are posers. So these are <laughs> they are not real Pentecostals. <laughs> They're moderate evangelicals. I oh, mean, shit. I know, right? <laughs> so. It, it's weird, these blind spots that they had, like, C.S. Lewis is okay, Chronicles of Narnia, you know, that had all kinds of magic and sorcery and that sort of thing in it. Yeah. And Tolkien was okay, even though, you know, you have Gandalf, who was a warlock, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. He's he a fucking cool. wizard. I know, he's cool. But Harry Potter, written by a British Anglican, <laughs> not okay for some reason. No. Uh, my mother, I, I heard my mother once talk about the evils of Harry Potter. Yes. She was just repeating what the pastor said. And then referenced the uh, evils of the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chronicles Whoa. of Narnia series. Whoa. And I stopped her right there, and I was like, those stories are allegories for, for Christian stories. Yes. C.S. Lewis is like a famous theologian. Yes. And, and she seemed rather confused, but, you know, there's a reason I was... Raised by my grandma. You, you don't. <laughs> well, you don't. You don't normally hear that either, because C.S. Lewis is like sacrosanct. Yeah, he is not. Yeah. You don't talk shit about C.S. Lewis. Yeah, his books sell very well amongst uh, Christian groups. Oh yeah, if you disagree with them, you're probably a heretic. Probably. Kids are getting saved again. Uh, how many times can kids get saved? I don't know. Yeah the uh, the altar calls. The altar calls. How many altar calls? God, I think back. How many altar calls did I see in my life? It was pretty much every youth service there was an altar call. Yeah. Yeah. There's this There's this idea that, you know, when once you're saved, you're always saved. You know, like it seems like most of the evangelical world holds to that. But I have seen so many kids respond to these altar calls, go up and get saved multiple times. Yeah. I would say just in case it didn't take the first time. The Methodists didn't do that old too much, yeah. But all the other churches I would visit did. Methodists did it a little bit. I probably went up. I probably got saved, quote unquote, like three times. Oh yeah. Once in the boring way when I was a kid. <laughs> the way that Rachel says is God's not even in that house when you do it like that. Those churches are dead. But God you, doesn't visit those churches. I remember once at a Baptist church with some friends. Everyone was so moved by this sermon that a youth pastor yeah. said that people were crying. And I'm sitting there like, 
everyone's crying. I'm not crying. And I sat there and made until I made myself cry. It was very hard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just to feel like, because I felt like I was missing something. It's Sometimes it takes a lot of effort to keep up. I want to point out that Becky uses a, a water bottle as a prop, as a metaphor for the water of God. And the water of God's word is manufactured by Nestle. <laughs> so yeah, kids are crying, throwing out testimonials, fully guilted and are ready to overshare. A storm rolls in. Kids are making shadow puppets. They're in their bunks. They're telling ghost stories. This might be one of my favorite scenes of the movie because they're just kids being kids. Right, right, right. They're not having they're not racked with guilt over their in any passing thought. Mm-hmm. They're just goofing around, yucking it up. Doing that stomach roll that I used to be able to do Mm -hmm. when I was a kid when I weighed a lot less. That scene was very refreshing to me. And then a fun killer adult comes in, warns about ghost stories, and ruins the moment. Tells them ghost stories can be fun, but are they really glorifying to God? (laughs) I know you're just joking around. I know you don't mean anything to it, but aren't there better things we can set our minds on? It's in ghost stories. It's important that kids always have an adult around to say that God hates fun. <laughs> Becky's setting up some uh, fonts on her computer. She's really good at computers. <laughs> she likes I, the she likes that blood drip font. Man, I love I love that shot where it just cuts to her her office on the computer. And it just says sin in big ass black letters. <laughs> this then is the next word room. she types is death. <laughs> Let me see if we can get a good font on here. Okay, yeah, blood font. We're introduced to Becky's prop room. She's the carrot top of the evangelicals. <laughs> she, for someone who probably is very against Halloween, she has a lot of Halloween props. You know, you gotta let that. You gotta let that out somewhere. Like, if you suppress your desire to like dress up as scary things, you're going to let that out in your evangelism. <laughs> It's just interesting how she's providing for that Halloween industry, you know. Right. Thanks for helping to keep it alive, Becky. You know, holding a sickle and then a heart in your other hand. And brain molds. Oh, damn straight. (laughs) She says her kids get it. Uh, Two hours. (laughs) She can preach for two hours and they never get bored. (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe we'll take that on a kid-by-kid basis. Right, right, right. She seemed to give that impression, though, that that was was what was going on there. It's morning time at Mm -hmm. Jesus Camp, and kids are... Seem like they're really pumped. Like, Christ is like Red Bull at Jesus Camp. <laughs> and a kid comments that another kid looks like Harry Potter. And he says, yeah, but I haven't seen the movie because of witchcraft. And one kid says his mom won't let him watch Harry Potter. I go to my dad's and I watch them there. And the other kids look so uncomfortable. Oh, man. <laughs> at that revelation. Yeah, uh, Rachel was there, right? And so was Levi. Yeah. very much- right? Very much side-eyeing, like you just heard someone say something racist. <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, do, which which one, which one do I bring up first? The fact that your parents are divorced? Or the fact that you're going against your mom's wishes to betray God? I didn't even think about the divorce part. That was like a one-two, like I can't believe it. Yeah, watching it, watching it at my dad's house. They could just see the flames coming up around them. Mm-hmm. Becky gets a picture taken for a magazine. And she says, and I quote, almost like being on the cover of Rolling Stones. Uh, Yes, I love the plural (laughs) Rolling Stones. Rachel likes church camp a lot. She's drawn some crosses. She doesn't like those boring churches. The adults in her life have indoctrinated her very well. Mm -hmm. They should be very proud of Rachel because she's really going for it. Levi, rat tail, 
getting ready to preach it up. And he's, it's kind of weird. He's talking about the kids he's going to preach to almost like he isn't one of them. Like he's different. Right. Is the appeal of evangelism, maybe you can shed some light. Is it almost like they see themselves as having a superpower? Um, you know, you know, that's really hard to say. I think it's, it's something they see the adults do. It's almost like a rite of passage in the church. That, you know, whenever someone is invited to get up and speak or share the word, they're often a member of the church in good standing, you know? So this is kind of like a boy becoming a man, sort of. An, yeah. It seems almost like a rite of passage as an evangelical Christian. I would say I'm not a big judge on sermons these days, but he seemed like he did have a good enough job. He did a good job. I mean, he obviously, like, was convinced by what he was saying. He delivered it well. Uh, of course, he's preaching to the choir, too. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are getting saved again. They're getting called up again. Yep. And then there's a uh, a sermon where kids are breaking mugs with hammers. They have sins written on the mugs. I couldn't tell what that one mug said, but I think it said detergent. I don't know if that's a <laughs> Detergent? Sin. Yeah, I think so. But a girl chants, righteous government, God, righteous government, God. And they're just yelling, Jesus! Oh, yeah. Tori is crying, fist up for the Lion of Judah. They literally are putting their fists up. You see the war stick dance again, because that's always a classic. There was a righteous judges chant. Was that in the same scene? I, I, Where they were breaking the mugs? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, righteous judges, because I think GWB at the time was trying to get more pro-life judges. Oh, yes. Into the Supreme Court. Right. So that was a huge deal back then. It looks like they're tripping, especially Rachel. It looks like they're wigging out. Uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that, that, you know, she was in the beginning. Becky was watching the video of that one girl who is ends up on the cover of the DVD. Yeah. The Jesus Camp girl with her arms raised, uh, tears streaming down her face. Right. People probably know that image by now. Tiny little blonde kid. Absolutely. And she's watching her speak in tongues. You know, this is during the point where she's uh, she's telling the kids that, you know, if you don't open your mouth, the Holy Spirit can't speak through you. She's speaking in tongues, and she's watching her do this on the, on the playback. And she's saying, you know, she's not in an altered state of consciousness. She's not in a trance. It's just the Holy Spirit speaking through. But I think there is there is a cathartic element to um, to the charismatic mindset, especially to um, points where it's believed that the Holy Spirit breaks out in a church. People start shaking, convulsing, speaking in tongues, um, sometimes barking like dogs, <laughs> running around, laughing, crying. You see all kinds of crazy shit go down. Like people are on the floor with their eyes closed, pretending they're riding a bicycle. It seems like that's the fun part of being charismatic. <laughs> that is the fun part of being a Pentecostal-influenced evangelical is that moment where you get to go apeshit and do whatever as long as you don't, like, swear and talk about sex or Harry Potter. It seems like everyone's playing charades at the same time. Yeah, and at the moment, like, I've participated in some of that, and it it's a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> you really enjoy it, and you really believe that it is... That it is God because it is kind of coming up from something deep inside you, you know? I can see how it would be fun within that environment because that's your cut loose moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you especially see it among women in evangelical churches. It seems to be in a culture that, you know, I believe often oppresses women, um, a culture that does not give women ample room to express themselves as people. Sure. That it often comes out in these 
ceremonies that Megan Fox, who was raised charismatic or Pentecostal, um, likened to voodoo or Santeria. Oh, wow. It's a very... It's a very, uh, is animistic the right kind of word to use? <laughs> Can't wait till we get to Santeria documentaries. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to learn more about that. Levi makes a statement that when he's around non-Christians, mm-hmm. they make him feel yucky. yucky. They make his spirit feel sick. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that, that seems to go very much against the... the biblical and Christian notion that you're supposed to see the image of God in everybody. That's a weird part of... That culture that separ- that separates the uh, the sacred from the secular. I think that's the you touch point on what makes evangelism different is that there is a specific segregation more so than any. I'm not a religious person, so I don't often try to argue perspectives from a biblical perspective. Right. Even the aspects of Jesus that I think are very positive mm-hmm. are it's not it's still not something that I literally believe in. Right. But. But at the same time, my favorite stories of Jesus, he's not walking around surrounded by people who agree with everything he says. No, he is not. He's actually making an outright point to not do that and yeah. to kind of really just have an open hand for anyone for any reason. Mm-hmm. And he's he's usually fighting the, uh, the Pharisees and the Zealots who are trying to uh, segregate themselves yes. from the surrounding secular or pagan culture. And he actually, if I remember correctly, he gets pissed off at some Pharisees when they're all counting money up in the temple. Many times. <laughs> and you know what? Money is politics. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't really like the blending of those things, it seemed. No, I mean, he said, and I quote, you have, I mean, this is not verbatim, by the way. Of course not. It's been a while. You have made my father's house a den of thieves. There were people selling sacrifices to present on the altar in the uh, in the temple. Um, so, yeah, he, he said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. And then he turns the tables over. Like, he frees a lot of the animals from their cages. And he starts, yeah, he flips out. It's mm-hmm. the angry Jesus passage. One of the best ones. It's, it's fantastic. I'm fond I, of that one. We go back to go back to camp. I think we're at camp still. Mm-hmm. They pull out a George W. Bush cutout, and the crowd is blessing it. Thinking back at this time, I was, I was in college and then left college yeah. around this time, and it really did feel like everyone was on, especially leading up to the Iraq War. <sighs> That so many people were on this Kool-Aid. Yeah. There were some people that were like, hey, this all seems like a bad idea. And our radio host, Mike, apparently was one of those people. It would have been refreshing to hear him at that time. But I noticed that in media, there wasn't a lot of people that were just like, this is a shit idea. This This guy is not a saint. He's just a guy. But there was just kind of this avid fever. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think that this is that. The polarization truly started at that point. You know, in the beginning of the documentary, it talked about uh, Mike, Mike Papantonio talking about how it's, you know, blurring the lines between church and state. It's tearing down that wall and it is linking Christianity with politics. And I remember watching that and thinking, like, he doesn't even know how right he is. Yes. Like, he knows he's right in the moment, but I'm not sure he saw Trump coming. No, I don't think you know, many of us did not. We could have seen Ted Cruz coming, and thank the Lord, it's not Ted Cruz, because he would have been way more successful than Trump. Yeah, I mean, one minute saving grace with Trump is that he doesn't understand the rules and how they work. 
absolutely. That might be the one thing that saves us with Trump. His narcissism that alienates him from even his closest friends and family <laughs> is really what is saving us from going down in flames at the moment. But, okay, so, yeah, you're right. It's been opening that moment of, you know, you saw this started with Reagan in the 80s. Yeah. Um, Jerry Falwell started the moral majority. Before then, Republicans were mostly secularists. They were secular capitalists mm -hmm. uh, with the abortion issue and with a lot of issues of uh, the government trying to force Jerry Falwell's school to integrate. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few things that happened like they saw it as government overreach. Mm. They saw government reaching into their private institutions and telling them how they're supposed to live their lives. And that is where the Christian right got its start, truly, in the 80s with Reagan. It went through, you know, we were kind of we were kind of cool with George Bush Sr. because he was also ostensibly a Christian. Yeah, he was more of like a straightforward political nerd. But George W. Bush was our stronghold against the Muslims. Yeah. Against radical Islam and against secularism reaching into our churches and our schools. So you fast forward over 10 years later, and this is what we've gotten from it. So I, like you said, um, this documentary, I think, is even more relevant now yes. than it was then. Back then, it was like just recording where I grew up pretty much. Yeah. Not that region, but that, that cultural phenomenon. The perspective we have now watching this movie is pretty incredible. If you haven't seen this movie in a while, and a lot of people have seen this movie, this is kind of a notorious documentary. Oh, absolutely. Watch it again. Sweet Lord. And it probably won't make you feel better, but perspective. No, I got pretty drunk. Perspective is pretty interesting. <laughs> we get uh, an anti-abortion lecture from the most easily the most boring speaker in the whole movie. Lou Engel. Yeah. Rattel Levi steps up to the stage, and Lou you, is using his hand for a prop, really phoning it in. Yes. I wrote in my notes, half these kids have to be bored at this point. The weird thing is they should be, but Lou Engel was such a celebrity in the pro-life movement in the early 2000s. He was from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, which was a big charismatic, you know, speaking in tongues sort of group where people would come to this. It was interdenominational. People would come to this. They had people praying 24-7. And so he was a name. And I think a lot of the kids were very excited to see him. So when Levi got this, you know, prophecy from Lou Engel... It made me think of the comparisons we were talking about where they are now. The Guardian article where there was that one kid. We've got to talk about the blonde kid with the bowl cut. Oh, we'll get there. Mr. Summercamp. <laughs> That's his name. Summercamp. Yeah, the kid who talks about how he's struggling with his doubts in the church and how he feels like a phony. Oh, my God. His name is fucking Andrew Summercamp. <laughs> That is not made up. It's so beautiful. <laughs> he was he was my favorite. Any any somewhat intelligent kid or any introspective kid who grew up in that situation had those moments. And he got up on fucking stage yeah. and said that. And then he prayed with like, you know, cross-legged on the floor with his arms spread out. It was like a fucking Buddha moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was feeling it. It was it was awesome that he was able to admit his doubts in front of an entire congregation of kids who looked very obviously uncomfortable. So, and the adults did, too. So this guy, was his name Lou? Lou Engel. He's like the Bruno Mars of the evangelical <laughs> movement. And, he, um, and his favorite hit song He was kind of like their Bernie Sanders for a while. <laughs> his, his favorite hit song is uh, uh, Abortion is Murder. 
I didn't know that was a song. <laughs> oh I missed God. that one. You know it is someone. No, wait, P.O.D. did one that was called Abortion is Murder at some point, I think. <laughs> Payable on death. Yeah. Basically, he's putting it on these kids mm-hmm. to end abortion in the United yes, States. Yes, he is. And so he's prophesying over – you mind if I go back into this tangent for a go second? On, go ahead. I thought this was very important. He was uh, he was prophesying over Levi, you know, in contrast with uh, Mr. Summercamp in the Where Are They Now article 10 years later. Um, he's prophesying over Levi that he's going to be a, a voice for change in the world, that he's not going to sell out in his teen years like most kids do. So he's he's going to remain faithful. And so he got this prophecy from a Christian celebrity. And if you see where the two of them are now, I, I wonder if that part in Jesus Camp made a huge difference in how they turned out in their lives. Summer Camp was filmed saying, I have doubts. Sometimes I don't believe the Bible. And that makes me feel bad. And now he's in a community of spiritual seekers, I think, somewhere out west doing psychotropic drugs and exploring Eastern religions. Blue has uh, fetus props. I want those. (laughs) They were tying them to their hands. They're just like king cake babies with more detail, you know? Yeah, yeah. Pop Antonio, that's his name, right? Yes. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. I'm sorry to fuck up your name. Warns of a religious army taking over politics. Bush, at this point, is appointing Alito, and the evangelicals like it. He appoints Alito to the Supreme Court. It's a big show at Colorado Springs. Kids are kneeling, swaying to some rockin' jams, maybe Newsboys, I don't know. Yeah. Skillet. (laughs) I was at their first CD release party. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Ted Haggard is at this Colorado Springs. Oh, this guy is a gem. Boy, is he. He preaches that there is no abate on no true debate on these issues. No. It's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Ted Haggard, he, he would meet with Bush every Monday during the Bush presidency, and he's got jokes. He's the yuckster. He also so has good. just line after line, just laying them out. He also has, as we would find out later, a three year relationship with a male prostitute that he bought meth from. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, Colorado Springs, especially at that time, was a hotbed of the Christian right, especially against the uh, same-sex marriage. They were, uh, at that point, Dr. James Dobson was in on that, too, because he's from the Colorado Springs area, I believe. And so there were were people who were against this Christian right movement, um, driving around with bumper stickers that said, focus on your own family, because Dr. James Dobson had a newsletter called Focus on the Family. Right. Yeah. So this this was a huge, huge political talking point Boy, the at state, the time. The state of Colorado, there's something for every extremity there. <laughs> Boy, is there. It is a great, it's a beautiful state. Really is. Now, Haggard uh, says kids love evangelism, says more churches are happy. Like Pastor Becky, he's seen a lot of positive things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants an assertion of belief upon the nation. Mm-hmm. Levi gets to meet Haggard. Imagine that's equivalent to me meeting David Bowie or something. <laughs> and uh, he, he's like starstruck. Yes. We cut to kids in D.C. singing about the blood of Jesus. The abortion sermon guy, Lou, he's leading them. And he's wobbling like he has to pee. I guess that's like a charismatic thing. Uh, who was it? In. That Lou guy. Oh, Lou. Yeah, he's doing that like... It's almost like autistic stimming where he's rocking back and forth from the waist. That was... That's what I call Christian rock. <laughs> good one. That was, a great, that was good, Bobby. Thank you. <laughs> 
that was that was his trademark move. Whenever the Holy Spirit came over him, he would rock back and forth. And you could see that his followers from, um, they called it IHOP, International House of Prayer, that his followers would do the same thing when they were praying. It was like his own special move if that he, caught on. If you just put him while he's swaying at like a shoegaze show or something, oh, yeah, no did. one would bat an eye. Mm-mm. They'd be like, he's really into ride. Uh, the kids have life taped over their mouths. Classic protest move. Tape it over your mouth. They're restricting me, man. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not allowed to say that you're against abortion. Rachel talks about her dad, and she tells of dad going on dangerous uh, mission trips. And she says that when they go to dangerous places, that her dad and his friends will chant, martyr, 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 over and over again. How did I miss that part both times? It's close to the end. It's really cool. <laughs> Well, that's the uh, that's that's the most acceptable way to go overseas and see exotic places is, is to go as a missionary. And a lot of people mean very well when they do, but most, most of the most, time when you want to take a vacation, you go on a mission trip. It is a very accessible way to kind of travel. It absolutely is, yes. Becky's watching more camp tape. Her home looks very boring. Uh, she says that extreme liberals got to be shaking. And then she says this sentence, I'm not sure what it means she says animal rights people eat your heart out uh all right um i think i think the talking point they were she was watching the video of them with lou engel right yeah i believe so okay you know on the pro-life movement there was that talking point like why would you argue argue for the rights of animals but not stand up for uh unborn children i always think it's weird when people put down animal rights people yeah it was almost as if it's in this sense of being in an opposition. Mm-hmm. This is a big problem with talking points today. Yeah. Is that if you promote something, then there's an assumption that you're against something completely. Right. Absolutely. Animal rights people don't hate people. They might hate <laughs> right. how people treat animals. Yeah. You can walk and chew gum at the fucking same time. <laughs> yes. And that's that's the Democratic-Republican split. Yeah. And it's and the reactionary nature by one side is just feeling a reactionary nature by the other side. Absolutely. I am definitely I consider myself a very liberal person. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's it's very hard because I'm not I don't want to just drink the Kool-Aid everywhere I go. I'm a guy that asks questions all the time. Yeah. And I remember in the the Obama presidency really sparked a lot of far right animosity. And when I'm like when I'm talking about and you know, I wanna have a a moderate kind of conversation, you know. I was lamenting when Barack Obama expanded the Patriot Act and allowed for illegal jo- drone strikes on American citizens. Yeah, that really sucked hard. And, you know, I really wanted to talk about that stuff because I felt like people were kind of, like, giving him a lot of a pass. It didn't get the same attention as if Bush had done it. it was, he was a moderate president, and both sides seemed to treat him like a socialist wunderkind or something. <laughs> Right. That he wasn't. So absolutely. Not. So you want to talk about like why is Obama doing this? And then you would get, oh, you know, he's a Muslim Kenyan, and you're like, come on, man! I just <laughs> want to discuss this. In no, a my problem way. is that civilians are dying and, by machines that were flying over there without people in them, and of course, risking when, their own lives. And when you're faced with nothing but a rational opposition, yeah, then it can't help but look like you're defending everything about right, right, the other of course, thing, as we stated before. It's a fucking black and white world. <laughs> it absolutely is. So, and yeah, you're right. The idea that she's... This movie is a prophet. 
This movie is absolutely a profit. So the idea that she's, you were right that, you know, she's pitting the pro-life argument against the animal rights argument when there are people who are both yeah. pro-life well, and animal rights, and there are also people who are neither. And also about the climate change thing. Evangelicals describe human nature as wicked. It seems like they could use that to understand people are negatively affecting their environment. Yeah. It seems like that would be something that's like, well, yeah, people are wicked. Of course the climate is changing. But no, it's just a, it doesn't exist. That's not a real thing argument. This is this is the political and the evangelical like right. merging together. Yeah. It's creating something that doesn't make any sense. It was like Papantonio said, evangelicals believe that Adam and Eve were given dominion over the earth. Many people take that passage to mean we're supposed to do whatever we want with the earth without consequences. Yeah. Which is super weird because most Christianity up until recently has interpreted having dominion over the earth is having as having to take care of it, having to cultivate the land, not owning the earth, but taking care of it. It's a passage cited by both evangelicals and marijuana smokers for very different reasons. <laughs> Pop Antonio talks to Becky. She goes on his show. Becky admits that what is fed to kids at a young age stays with them for their life in some form. Oh man. Pap yeah, they do. Pap Antonio calls it indoctrination. Becky doesn't mind the process. She's not really denying that much. Yeah. She says she's not aware of political indoctrination. Come on, Becky. Uh, we'll get more into that later. Can I just say I love how 10 years later, Becky is a slang term for a clueless white girl. <laughs> I really. <laughs> Becky with the good hair. Right? <laughs> Whenever, yes. Give me some Becky. <laughs> that is, I do love that. I do. It, it brings so many more things into light. Becky, pretty good in a bubble, not necessarily that eloquent when challenged, but she holds her ground. <sighs> Pep Antonio thinks it's all crazy. Becky, she's on that Midwestern strip. We're coming full circle. And then the movie ends. But one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is a post credit sequence where Rachel is in D.C. and she walks up to a, gr a group of older black men. <laughs> yeah. She's preaching to them. She asks them where they think they will go when they die. Where are you going to go if you died tonight? A man goes, heaven. And Rachel's like, are you sure? Why? Then Rachel walks away. And she says to her friend, I think they were Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed so hard. And then cue the Obama administration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with spirit in the sky playing. Oh, man. Okay, so her interview with Pop Antonio, if you don't mind me going back to that for a second. Go ahead. She seemed to have some weird things to say about democracy. He seemed <laughs> to think the Christian right was eroding democracy by breaking down the walls between church and state, especially the evangelical church and state. As she seemed to think that, you know, God doesn't operate on democracy. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if you really go literally by that book, maybe not. Well, I mean, God, according to most religions, does what he wants. Right. He, she, or they want. He doesn't ask his followers, hey, uh, I got two options. You guys uh, put it to a popular vote. Uh, what do you think we're going to believe about sacrifices? Go ahead and chime in, guys. <laughs> Flood or fire? Go. You're <laughs> She seemed to think that, like, you know, God does not operate by man's rules. So, like, what the American people want 
is not necessarily what God wants. I wish I had written down what she had said word for word because, once again, perfectly summed up the election of 2016. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. There is a 2016 Guardian article, 10th anniversary of this movie. A lot of this I'm about to say comes from the Guardian article. Yeah. But it's a, where are they now? Levi is still devoutly evangelical and is engaged, probably married by this point, lost his virginity. Congratulations. Did he? Got to get married to get laid, right? Oh, yeah. Was was he married yet? I I imagine. uh, 2016, 2018? Yeah, they... Maybe. They're, Those engagements go quick. They're all, like, getting into college at this point. Right. Rachel is still religious. It's hard to say how much so. I watched some devotional. She's actually a very good speaker. Yeah. And she's older now, of mm-hmm. course. But she had some devotional online about her spiritual journey and the doubts that she felt and how she got over it. Wait, what's her full name? I didn't write down her last name. Now, R- Rachel is still religious. I don't know if she's really deep into the evangelical side of things. It's hard to say, but she's still a believer. Tori is allegedly still religious. Which one's Tori? She's the one that liked to dance and listen to hard Christian rock. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's studying dance in college. Uh, I read something. There's some people online who allegedly know her claim that she is just living a typical college life. She's just kind of... Maybe someone was like, oh, you like metal, here's Iron Maiden's second record, and then it changed her life. I don't know. Usually does. And we touched base on this kid before, Andrew Summerkamp, probably the kid that we can relate the most to. Oh, man, I first time I watched it, that was the most poignant moment, and it still is. He left evangelism after his father came out. He's now into, you mentioned this before, Eastern mysticism and psychotropic drugs. So it kind of goes from one extreme to the other, I guess. Uh, he's like, I won't be an evangelical, so I'll be a stereotypical hippie. Thinks many at the camp had the best intentions, but see it now as sick people trying to treat sick people. Yeah. So that's, that's a very poignant way to phrase it. Yeah. He doesn't regret the experience because he sees it as him becoming who he is now. He's still a young person, though, so yeah. he, he's got a long life journey <laughs> ahead of him. But he does make, but as much as he doesn't put down a lot of people he was with, he does take a moment to describe Pastor Becky as, I quote, a terrible fucking person who is fueled by the spiritual suffering of other people. Oh, man. You can kind of be objective with people's experiences. Yeah. It is kind of hard to kind of, if you're not on board with what she's saying, it's kind of hard to like Pastor Becky. Oh, absolutely. Mike Papantonio, he is an author, a senior partner in one of the largest plaintiff firms in the country. And, of course, we mentioned our friend Ted Methmouth Haggard. Ted, if you're listening, just go all in on that, man. You be you. (laughs) Maybe not the meth. The meth can make you crazy. Yeah, kick the meth, please. But let it go, bro. Let it go. And that, my friend, was Jesus Camp. Oh, my goodness. What a... What a journey. God, like, I feel like I need to go get drunk again. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Camp by Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. We do not go by the archaic five stars. But frankly, when I'm forced into things to rate things in a star rating, I'm disgusted. You might call me an evangelical for our new Herzog rating, mm-hmm. one through five Herzogs. What I'm going to do, each of us will say, how many Herzogs, one through five? Mm-hmm. And then, get this, let me blow your fucking mind. 
Whoa. Combine those Herzogs. Holy shit. Two-man democracy, and that is the best out of ten. Just like we did with the Rebecca Blacks. Yeah, Rebecca okay. Blacks. Got it. Um, so I've only seen A Gear of the Wrath of God, <laughs> and his uh, his documentary on the internet. Is that enough to get a to get a good For grasp a, on what the Herzog, Herzog scale is? Yeah. I think you're going to be fine. Okay, cool. We're a very young podcast. Mm-hmm. All of our listeners are new listeners. We're, we're a baby. We're trying to grow. We're seeing what we blossom into. Yeah. We're, we're a beautiful lotus. And I feel like I've already given maybe too many four Herzog ratings. And this movie is good. It's prescient. It is a document that can provide a little understanding mm-hmm. into the extremities of what we're all having to deal with right now. Yeah. And so this movie is a modern classic, and it holds up. It's a good movie, and if you don't know anything about this movement, you'll probably be, like, scared out of your mind. Right. I would say stay calm, because I've noticed that as much as there's been a lot of bullshit over the years, there's been something else gradually growing. Now, Christianity in general is still the most popular religion. Right. But you know what's slowly increasing? I think it's at, like, 20-something percent. Are people that... They're not necessarily non-spiritual people, but do not identify with any specific religion or spiritual notion. They may have their own philosophies. Yeah. Just people who are rejecting outright spiritual movements and just going their own way. Right. Is the fastest growing way of thinking in America right now. Mm -hmm. So as much as we kind of may lament what this means... There is some ray of hope. There is people kind of pushing against it. And I think these extremities, and I think that results from people seeing these extremities and seeing the influence of these extremities yeah. in their lives. And after the Iraq War especially, um, we're also, and it's been fueled by the rise of Trump and his ilk, there have been a growing number of progressive Christians as well. This is not This is not the only option out there in the evangelical world even. Right. Um, evangelicals and charismatics are often starting to shift left because they're seeing the failure of, you know, trying to, say, force your sexual ethics on an entire nation. So there is there is hope in that area as well. Like, not only among the spiritual but not religious crowd, but among people who grew up evangelical or even converted to Christianity. And it's not unusual if you do kind of read Jesus's words Mm-hmm. How someone could be more of not necessarily some far right person, more like kind of almost socialist in a way. It's not that yeah. far off. I've known some very socialist Christians. Same here. Um, Christians that believe in all their heart, but they're not going to avoid a party, you know? <laughs> right, absolutely. This movie, it's a classic. It's great. I'm giving it four and a half out of five Herzogs. Whew. I'm rating it high. I think whenever it happened in 2006, whenever it first came out, I probably would have given it three and a half because I was just tired of seeing that shit at that point. Sure, sure. I had not been out of it for long enough, and I was still going to a church that was somewhat similar, but living with a Christian anarchist community in Oklahoma at the same time. So... You know, I I would have given it three and a half then because it was not enjoyable. Now, people just heard you say Christian anarchist community. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into it this episode. Nope. But stay tuned for future <laughs> future Johnny episodes. Um, so I would have given it maybe three and a half then because it was a fucking boring subject. We were smack dab in the middle of 
the uh, of the Bush administration, it was something that I didn't even want to think about. It was not entertaining. Now, looking back, realizing what it had predicted, like it caught a moment that has just blossomed into full-scale fuck-uppery. Yep. I, I would have to give it four and a half now, and I'm reserving the half star because I would have liked more evangelical shop talk. <laughs> I would have liked um I would have liked there to be more for people who grew up in that and for people who know the ins and outs of the Christian right already, you know? Mm -hmm. But as it stands for someone who wants to look back at where they were or have never heard of this movement whatsoever or have seen it but have not seen it in depth, I think it's an incredible um it's an incredible primer for evangelical politics and theology. Absolutely. And I think the fact that pe when people watched this thought that there was some interesting things about this movie, whether or not they were within the evangelical movement mm -hmm. or without it. And if any documenting director can pull that off, you really accomplish something that is very challenging. Yeah. And I don't think we should underestimate what Hadi Ewing and Rachel Grady accomplished with this movie. Yeah. And I think even in many years from now, this movie will hold up as a period in time in American history. Oh, absolutely. So you combine your 4.5, I combine my 4.5, that's a 9 out of 10 Herzog movie. Now, already, <laughs> we've got, in our young podcast, uh, I see, I think we rated The Band That Wouldn't Die, one of our 30 for 30 episodes, 8 out of 10. Right. I'm already thinking that's a little high. <laughs> but this movie... I absolutely 100% believe that this is a 9 out of 10 Herzog documentary. Absolutely agree. Oh, my gosh, Johnny. Now, Johnny, this is just the first of our many religious-themed movies. Mm -hmm. Folks, the episodes that Johnny are going to be on, they're going to get fucking weird real quick. Shit's going to get crazy. And may even be the most accessible because we're always looking through YouTube for, like, weird religious documentaries. Mm -hmm. And there's no shortage of them. So, you know, you probably would have had to rent Jesus Camp, or at least if you did it legally, to prepare for this show now. Uh, by the way, it's up on Vimeo. Oh. <laughs> I was able to watch it on there. I rented it, and then I found it on Vimeo yesterday to find, like, a bumper for it. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I mean, I hope we don't get famous and get it taken down. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone, all right? Yeah. But we're going to go into the weeds of some strange stuff. And it will be accessible because there will be stuff that you can just pop up a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to watch. So stay tuned. And it's going to get weird. It's going to get crazy. You know what? I'm not an evangelical, but I just want to put 100% support into interpretive dance. That, that one hit from the 80s. I can't see you. My love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. Out yeah. on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. <laughs>